0: Welcome to Mosaic. We're really glad that you all are here. Uh, We're going to start the night with our parent-child dedication, so I'm going to invite these families up here. Come on up, y'all. And uh, tonight is Mother's, well, tomorrow is Mother's Day, and so uh, sometimes this is a really uh, apt night to celebrate this parent-child dedication, and sometimes uh, it's a difficult day. And so um, the, the curriculum that the kids' ministry uses, it's called Orange, last year they sent out this email uh, on, around Mother's Day, and it was just meaningful to me, so I wanted to start tonight sharing that. Uh, it says, it's a, Mother's Day can be a challenge for those who long to be moms because this day heightens the ache inside of them. It's a challenge for those who've lost their moms, this day accentuating the silence and the void their mother left. It's a challenge for those who've birthed children gone too soon, this day highlighting a hole their hearts shouldn't have. And it's a challenge for those everywhere in between who have no stories of loss or pain, but who feel this day should somehow be different. I'm just grateful for those kind and thoughtful words. So. I pray that if you find yourself in that list, that we have grieved well with you. And as we gather today to celebrate with these families, I pray that we would celebrate well with them. Uh, the parents have recorded prayers for their kids. And so as they pray in these videos, would you pray with them over their children? Brinley Lynn, you are truly the greatest blessing God has given us. Most importantly, we pray that you develop a relationship with Jesus and come to seek Him and know Him from a young age. We pray that you will serve the Lord with your whole heart and that your identity is rooted in Christ.
1: Friendly,
2: we pray that God blesses you with wisdom beyond your years and a spirit of peace that surpasses all understanding. We love you more than words can express, and we can't wait to see what the Lord
0: has in store for you. Isabella Rosme. You are an answered prayer from God. We love that God chose us to be your parents. You delight all who meet you with your smile and giggles. We chose your name to represent our hope for your life, that you will always be devoted to God and be strong in all who do, like the two women you are named after. We look forward to watching your faith grow and seeing how the Lord uses you for his glory. We love you.
3: Jace, you have the sweetest smile and fun-loving personality. We hope you always keep smiling and laughing. We are so blessed and honored that God entrusted you to us. We chose your name for it means do good. And we pray that you grow up to love Jesus and love and serve others. You are so loved by many and you are mama and daddy's favorite. We love you so much, buddy.
0: For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to give you the
1: knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. Colossians 1, 9.
2: Joseph, you are truly a blessing from God. You delight us daily with your sweet personality, smiles, and giggles. We are so blessed that God added you to our family. We pray that you would always know how loved you are, both by mom and dad, and that we always will be here to support you. Joey, we pray that God's peace and love would be with you and in you all of your days, that you would give as freely as you receive, and that above all else, Jesus is your first and greatest love.
0: Laura. Our sweet girl, you have blessed our family tremendously and we are so thankful for your bright and joyful personality. Your laugh and smile brings joy to those who meet you and we know that God will use that gift to bless many people in your life. We pray that you seek God and that you follow his will all the days of your life. We can't wait to see what God has in store for you. We love you. Jack, you are such a sweet addition to our family. You already express such deep love for others, especially your big sister. Our prayer for you is that you walk with God and trust him in everything you do, leaning not on your own understanding, but his wisdom. We are honored to watch you grow into the man God created you to be. We love you so much. Thank you all. So a prayer now for these parents. If you would join me, uh, I, I'm borrowing from Douglas McKelvey. He had a, a prayer in his book, Every Moment Holy, called The Changing of Diapers. And so it's just a timely prayer for this. So pray with me. Father, whether it's changing diapers or consoling tears, challenging defiance, or cultivating humility, we pray that these parents would remember this truth. Their unseen labors are not lost, for it is these ragged, or it is these repeated acts of small sacrifice, that, like bright ragged patches, are slowly being sewn into a quilt of loving kindness that swaddles these children. In each moment of serving and loving, remind them that they are tending a budding heart that, rooted early in such grace-filled devotion, might one day be more readily inclined to bow to your compassionate conviction, knowing knowing itself then as both a receptacle and a reservoir of heavenly grace, as these parents themselves are. May your nearness carry them along in each of the 10,000 acts by which they are actively creating a culture of compassionate service and selfless love to shape the lives of their family, these beloved children, and your church. Amen. And then congregation, we turn to you. You're going to be uh, in the foyer greeting. You're going to be in classrooms. You're going to be uh, the people that at, at our gatherings and picnics are the warm faces that say hi or blow bubbles or, or, or our host homes in the future when they're in cell groups or whatever it is. You're going to be church to them. And so I wanted to pray this again, borrowing from uh, this, this same prayer. So, pray with me over your role in these lives. Open our eyes that we might see this act for what it is from the fixed vantage of eternity, O oh Lord. How the changing of a diaper and any other small act of care might sit upstream of the changing of a heart, and how the changing of a heart might sit upstream of the changing of the world. Amen. One last picture of all these cuties and then I'm gonna have them have a seat while we read our offering prayer. So if you need a last picture, everybody blow kisses, wave. Hey, Izzy. My favorite part of this is every time the parents' voices come on, every kid just has this like, what's happening? Why why is the parents' voice so loud right now? What's happening? All right, y'all. So y'all can go have a seat or actually go check your kiddos in and, and we're gonna do our offering prayer. And we're gonna... Do that in light of these good gifts too. He's, he's given our church this next generation through through parenting here. And so um, as we pray this, um, would you just pray with me uh, over this offering prayer? Oh Father, giver of all, every good and perfect gift comes from you. We ask you to accept these gifts and use them to your glory. May they bring shelter to the homeless. Comfort to the sick, rest to the weary, and hope to the hopeless. As you multiplied the offering of fish and loaves, multiply these to accomplish more than we can ask or imagine. We give freely and not under compulsion, for all we have is yours, Lord. Nothing we can give could match your great gifts to us, your Son and your Spirit. Amen.
2: Church, would you stand and let's fix our eyes on Jesus. we've already celebrated what he's done in the lives of these children. Let's sing praises to him. There is no other So sure and steady My hope is held in your hand When castles crumble And breath is fleeting, upon this rock I will stand. Upon this rock I will stand. We sing glory. In glory, glory, we have no other king but Jesus, Lord of all. Shattered the curse. Let's lift our voice together. Your kindly role has shattered and broken the curse of sin's tyranny. crimson flood covers me. We'll sing glory and glory, glory. We have no other king but Jesus, Lord. invite you in to prompt a question what are you making an idol of this isn't me asking I want you to ask the Holy Spirit is there anything that he impresses on your heart when you think about idols in your life right now let's give that to him in this moment release it to him Let's sing about it. Let's sing about our sorrows, our joys, everything in between. In all my sorrows, Jesus is better. Make my heart believe. Glory and glory, glory. We have no other King but Jesus, Lord. Standing as we read the Word of God tonight.
0: Good evening, Fellowship family. My name is Chris Simon. This is my fabulous wife, Kevin Simon. Uh, we've been at Fellowship for about two years now. Uh, we have two little kids, Judah and Aiden. They're as revunctious as it can be. You see them run around here all the time. We have the blessing to work as therapists and get to minister in the community in that capacity. Um, and for ministry, we serve in the preschool ministry once a month. I also do a lot of work with the men's ministry, part of a Wednesday noon Bible study, and Kevy participates in a female's Tuesday night Bible study.
3: So read with me the Lord of the Lord in Revelation. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead, Then he placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead. And now look, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. Look, I am coming soon. My reward is with me. And I will give to each person according to what they have done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: Good evening, Fellowship Mosaic. My name's Will. I serve on the training center team here at Fellowship. And uh, my wife, Sarah, and I are so happy uh, to call Mosaic home. And it is a privilege uh, to do life with you all and uh, to raise our girls here. Happy Mother's Day weekend to the mamas in the room. We honor you, we're grateful for you. In fact, I got a question for you mamas, Uh, although this can apply to anybody that has ever worked with kiddos or is working with kiddos. um, Have you ever been around a child, and don't point to anybody or call out names uh, as you're thinking of this person, but have you ever been around a child that has a really tough uh, reputation? And yet, the longer you're around that child, the more you realize they're actually a great kid. Maybe they're a little misunderstood, a little bit confusing at times, but the longer you're around them, they start to really capture your heart, the more that you get to know them. Do you have that person in mind? We all know one of them. If you don't have that person in mind, you're probably that person. When I think about the book of Revelation, I often think it's very similar to that misunderstood child. Great book, but often misunderstood and pegged as very, very difficult to understand. And oftentimes it's pegged as so difficult to understand, not because of the words of Revelation, although there is some weighty, tough stuff in there, but it usually is difficult to understand because of the way that it's approached or the way that it's handled. You see, if you approach the book of Revelation as a code to crack, so that you can figure out the end times, you're gonna walk away frustrated and probably confusing to other people. On the flip side, if you approach the book of Revelation primarily as the revelation of Jesus Christ, then you're likely to fall in love with this book And you may actually end up being a blessing to other people. And so tonight, in our Risen series, we're going to look at this appearance that Jesus makes to the Apostle John. But before we do that, I want to give you just a basic outline of the book of Revelation that can enhance your own study of this incredible book. Chapter 1 we're going to see that it actually focuses on the past, things that have taken place. And we get this outline actually in the opening chapter of Revelation. If you look at Revelation 1 verse 19, John is given this instruction, write therefore what you have seen, what is now, and what will take place later. That that verse 19 actually serves as as a a wonderful outline for the remainder of the book that chapter one is gonna focus on what John has seen, the past. Chapters two and three in the book of Revelation is gonna focus on the present, the the message that Jesus has for his church, what is now. And then chapters four through 22 are gonna focus on what will take place later, future events. And if this is a book that has has fascinated you or you've struggled with in the past and you'd like to gain some more knowledge about the book of Revelation, I wanna direct you to two trainings that we offer in the training center. One is panorama of the Bible that actually looks at how all of Scripture fits together in one cohesive story from Genesis to Revelation. It's a 12-week experience walking through the movements of scripture, but then specifically to do more of a deep dive directly into the book of Revelation, you're gonna wanna take Panorama Plus 12 that looks at the 12th and final movement in scripture. These courses are available online through the the Training Center website, but also they're offered here at Fellowship on a rotating basis. But tonight, we're gonna look at another post-resurrection appearance of Jesus to one of his disciples named John. And I want to sort of set the context up for you uh, as we dive in to chapter one tonight. What's taken place, this this incredible book is is written uh, around 95 AD. John, one of the disciples of Jesus, is the last remaining apostle in the early church. All the other apostles And immediate followers or disciples of Jesus have all died or been martyred for their faith in Christ. John is now likely a 90-year-old man in exile on an island called Patmos off the coast of modern-day Turkey. You see, at the close of the first century, at the time that this was written, Christianity had become a hated religious sect in the Roman Empire, What started out merely as just a sect of Judaism in the eyes of Rome quickly grew into empire-wide persecution. And so as Jesus appears to John, this 90-year-old faithful follower of Jesus, things actually look very bleak for the church there in Asia Minor, in modern-day Turkey. It's been years Since Jesus ascended into heaven, Jerusalem has now been destroyed and Israel ravaged. The church, that probably in the eyes of human beings, it's in its infancy stage. It feels as if it's just barely getting off the ground. And in the midst of that, the church has lost its first love. The other apostles are dead, and John is in exile. And it's in that moment that Jesus, in his post-resurrection glorified body, is going to appear to John with a message. And so let's dive in tonight, Revelation chapter 1, verses 9 through 11, to give us the setting and the context for what we're about to read. I, John... those seven churches by name. But right off the bat here, there's a couple items I want us to observe or see in the text. Notice here how John introduces himself. I, John, your brother and companion. You know, in Christian leadership, humility is a non-negotiable. And John here puts on display What true humility looks like as he introduces himself to other followers of Jesus as a brother, as a companion. He didn't choose to play the apostle card, he didn't choose to play the disciple, one of the 12 disciples. Beyond that, John also was one of what some refer to as kind of the inner three of those 12. Peter, James, and John were three disciples that spent even maximum time with Jesus. But he doesn't introduce himself that way. He introduces himself as a brother, a companion. And a companion in what? In suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that is ours in Jesus You know this word patient endurance, it literally means to remain under something voluntarily without giving up. Just imagine the weight of having that as a part of your identity. That you would introduce yourself to others as someone who displays patient endurance for the cause of Christ. What an incredible identity statement. But notice why he's experiencing suffering, why he's able to display this patient endurance in Christ. It was because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. You see, John here has spent a lifetime faithfully proclaiming the good news about Jesus. Beyond that, the Holy Spirit has used John to write the gospel of John To record the life and the works of Jesus. He's used, the Holy Spirit has used John to write 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. This is a man whose life had an encounter with the Son of God, who got to travel for three years alongside the ministry of Jesus, discovering the heart of the Father, watching miracles. But then what really sealed this man's life and his commitment to the gospel was then having a front row seat to the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. You see, the fact that Jesus was a risen Savior is what compelled John to spend decade after decade faithfully proclaiming and writing and sharing the good news with other people, becoming a man willing to, to display patient endurance. You know, as someone who attempts to at times be an endurance athlete and and just has a real love for for running and reading about endurance athletes, I, I can't help but think how learning to patiently endure when you're dealing with spiritual hardship is so much different than learning to endure with physical hardship, especially when that physical hardship might be by choice, right? And so often when we encounter pain, whether it's because of athletics or in other parts of life, so often our knee-jerk reaction is to ask the questions, why is this happening and how long is it gonna last? And oftentimes if we can tie meaning to the pain or we know there's an end in sight, we can carry on. But notice here, and this is, a, this is consistent throughout Scripture, notice here that the type of pain that John is likely enduring for the cause of Christ, it doesn't have the answer of why is this happening, God, and where's the end in sight. He's just told to patiently endure. But so often, when followers of Jesus come to the Lord and ask those questions of why and how long, the answer that they're actually given is a who. They're introduced to a person, Jesus, who simply reminds us, I'm with you. I'm present in your suffering. And we have that modeled for us here in Revelation So we've seen the setting, but let's turn our attention now to actually the appearance of Jesus to John. I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me, and when I turned and saw seven golden lampstands, and among the lampstands was someone like a son of man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet with a golden sash around his chest. This is a bold appearance. Jesus here appears to John as the living, glorified, risen Savior who is actively and faithfully at work. And notice the response that John has, that I think any of us would have a very similar response. In verse 17, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. This is almost like standard operating procedure. Anytime in the scriptures, when a human being has an encounter with the living God, it it doesn't cause them to, to, to remain standing. There's almost this collapse that occurs. But notice what Jesus does. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead and now look, I am alive forever and ever. I hold the keys of death and Hades. You know, here Jesus he removes all doubt concerning who has the right to rule and reign. Just consider how bold a proclamation these words are. And here in verse 19, we see the instruction that John has given write, therefore, What you have seen, what is now, and what will take place later, the mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands is this. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. Can you imagine for a moment this encounter that John is having with the living, glorified, Jesus. It, it causes me to even consider this, this appearance of Jesus to John to, to think back what would have been Jesus' last words to John 60 years before this appearance. That for 60 years, John has been faithfully obedient to the instructions that he was given when in Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20... Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Very similar to the proclamation that we see here in Revelation chapter 1. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. Just think for a moment how powerful that proclamation was. What a defining moment that that would have been in John's life as he's given this instruction to go and to make disciples of all nations. And again, there's this reminder from his Savior that there'll be times where you may not understand why or how long, but just remember, I'll be with you. And it's kind of tender to even think about John in his 90s facing persecution and once again being reminded that Jesus is the faithful risen Savior and how in light of that truth, how powerful the words here in Revelation are would have been for John to receive. That Jesus had reminded him, I'll be with you. 60 years later, after a lifetime of faithfulness, while spending time in exile and the loneliness that comes with that, Jesus appears and reminds John once again, I'm with you, I'm present. I am the faithful, risen Savior. And so even in light of that truth, just imagine how powerful the words at the conclusion of this book would have rang out in John's mind in Revelation 22, verses 12 through 13. As Jesus says, look, I'm coming soon. My reward is with me. And I will give to each person according to what they have done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Again, we see here so powerfully that Jesus is the faithful, risen Savior. The proclamation of this truth was as needed in the lives of Christ's followers in the first century as they are today. You see, we as the body of Christ are in need of that reminder on a consistent basis that Jesus is the faithful, risen Savior. And what's so remarkable about that reality, I was thinking even just earlier in the service as we saw these families bring their children, dedicating them, and the commitment that we as the body of Christ make to to pour into and invest in their lives, that the next generation of Christ followers are in need of this truth and this reminder as well that Jesus is the faithful, risen Savior. In fact, I've often wondered if one of the most powerful things, one of the most powerful truths that a parent could even transfer into the lives of their children is that Jesus is a faithful risen Savior. That as children grow up and encounter pain and suffering and disappointment, to know that Jesus is not just risen, although he is, but he is a faithful risen Savior that is with them, that is present with them, and that continually reminds them of that reality. You know, so often as as we come alongside others that may be facing uncertainty or facing pain and suffering, I know as, as human beings, oftentimes we want to move in so quickly and remove it or explain it away, or help a friend or loved one grapple with the questions of why and how long. But so often, one of the most profound, impactful ways that we can have with someone who's truly facing uncertainty and suffering is just to come alongside them and in a loving, compassionate way, remind them that Jesus is with them. And this week, just studying this encounter that John had with Jesus, I just was reminded once again of that tender appearance of Jesus here to John, reminding him that he's with him, but then also reminding him in the consistency to stay the course, that the great commission that Jesus gave his disciples, he's asking John to continue to write these down and to share it with the church. And so Mosaic, something I'd love for you to consider tonight, even in this final worship set, is what might God be saying to you tonight through the truth of his word? How is the fact that Jesus is a faithful risen savior, how does that impact and resonate with your life is it the reminder that he's with you in the current circumstances that you're facing right now that seems to be most powerful is it the fact that Jesus is faithful and alive and at work in you tonight we want to provide the space for Jesus as a faithful risen savior to speak to you tonight Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for how you have revealed yourself to us through your word. We're so thankful for the example of the Apostle John. We're so thankful for these post-resurrection appearances that Jesus put his power and might in display on display for us. Lord, we're so thankful to know Jesus as a faithful risen Savior who continues to work and move and is with us tonight. God, we love you. We worship you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
3: Right. Oh Wanna stand and sing this last verse with us?
2: this verse together, I'd love to just take a look at it. So this is Zephaniah 317. It says, the Lord your God is with you. He's a mighty warrior who saves. He'll take great delight in you. And in his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but he will rejoice over you as And about two years ago now, we got to dedicate my son, Graham. And this was the verse that we decided to read and kind of give him as his life verse. Just as a testament of faith, I think this still remains true to him even two years later. It remains true to me two years later as I look at him. And I think of my insecurities as a father and I see the faithfulness of God's hand in his life. So just as a testament to God's faithfulness and the promise that he's with us, Let's sing of his faithfulness now.
3: Where heaven spun creations, his pride and adoration, treasures woven by his love. His careful hands, they hold us safe with
2: His mind creation, His pride and adoration, His treasures woven by His love. His careful hands, they hold us safe within His promise of calling and of destiny. sing together there was in a day that you weren't faithfulness one more time lift your voice and I will see Father, we believe that as your church, Father. As a people of God, we've seen your promise to be faithful in generations past. Lord, and you followed through. And Lord, you're faithful with us now in our day-to-day just as we think of our stories. Lord, help us to remember your faithfulness as you are with us. And Lord, we long for the future day where we know that your promises will come true and we'll get to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We love you, Lord. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Church, thanks for being here. It's a great evening of baby dedications. If you need prayer, we would love to pray for you this week. We'll have prayer cards in the back. Uh, we'll have our staff out in the info booth uh, to connect with you if you have any questions. Let's go in peace to love.